From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Elon Musk says he plans to turn Twitter into his ideal version of a public square and use it to advance the evolution of how we communicate. But his vision of that public square also involves people paying money to be prominent. And the public are not allowed to parody Musk unless they clearly state they're making a joke. So what does Elon Musk's first chaotic week in charge at Twitter tell us about his ideas around free speech and how far he'll go to influence the way we communicate? Today, author El Hardy on Elon Musk's attempt to engineer the truth. It's Thursday, November 10. About a week ago now, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, bought the social media platform Twitter. And since that moment, things on Twitter seem to have become fairly chaotic fairly quickly. So can you run me through what's happened since the sale? So Elon bought Twitter on the 27th of October and immediately made himself CEO and fired a lot of the existing executive leadership team. He also walked in to the building with a kitchen sink and tweeted out the line that he wanted his new leadership to sink in. So kind of still highlighting from the beginning that this was almost an irony purchase, a $44 billion irony purchase, and that I think he still thinks of this as as something of a joke or a bit of fun. And look, maybe it is. I don't have $44 billion to spend on a joke. Big changes uh, are expected at Twitter. The social media platform's employees are due to find any minute now whether they still have a job. Then last Friday, he really began the major changes. He fired 50% of Twitter's staff. Meanwhile, Twitter employees are waking up to company emails telling them whether they still have their job after Elon Musk took over the company. And it was really an arbitrary thing. He got people to stack up how much code they'd written recently. And as people that have worked in coding pointed out, writing a lot of code doesn't mean that you're writing good code. And it was so arbitrary that, you know, a lot of the teams like the safety, the human rights, the the misinformation teams were fired. According to sources inside the company, the layoffs hit teams that filter out hate speech, add context, and study how algorithms can make misinformation worse. Musk has been updating daily, hourly almost on Twitter, his his plans and and sort of thinking out loud, which is quite a curious thing to to witness in real time. He tweeted to say that he was forced to make the cuts because Twitter was losing nearly $4 million a day. Mr Musk also attempted to allay concerns about the spread of hate speech, saying Twitter's commitment. He's also talked about reinstating banned accounts and quite controversially a new verification policy basically opening up the verification system to anyone, so it's not a prominent person. It's just anyone who's willing to hand over their money to Elon. Twitter said that those who sign up now for $7.99 a month can receive the blue checkmark next to their usernames, quote, just like the celebrities, companies and politicians you already follow. He's really just flying by the seat of his pants. It doesn't seem like he's given a lot of thought to the overall issues that that face a communications platform. This is about communication and moderation. This isn't just a a series of, of numbers on a spreadsheet. 
and I think he's going to encounter a lot more difficulties. Mm, Okay. And so as far as Elon Musk himself, he's the billionaire PayPal founder who's gone on to run Tesla and, and SpaceX. But can you tell me more about how he's run those companies and what the decisions that he's made in the past can tell us about the way that he's likely to now approach Twitter? Musk grew up in apartheid era South Africa. His father owned an emerald mine in Zambia. So he was a rich kid. He's not just some some plucky startup guy, which is often the, the tale that these Silicon Valley founders like to tell about themselves. He went to college in America and started a computer sale business from his dorm room with his brother and seemed to, to make a fair bit of money out of that. He then started a, a payments company that merged with uh, what became PayPal. And he was seen as sort of a co-founder of, of the PayPal business with early Facebook investor Peter Thiel. And together they became seen as sort of the vanguard of, of, of the internet, as real visionaries who understood what people wanted before they wanted it. Uh, he cashed out on that with, with several hundred million dollars um, from, from his shares and started using that money to, to fund Tesla and electric car business and SpaceX, which is, you know, firing reusable rockets and and the Starlink program, which is satellite internet communications in space, which is notably being used by a lot of Ukrainians in, in the war at the moment. But the thing with Elon is that he never really went into these companies and, and founded them. He obviously had some visions for himself, but Tesla already existed. He was an investor in Tesla. There were a lot of early failures. There was a power struggle. He took control as CEO and created something of a viable product and was, was granted sort of retroactive uh, founder status. The car of the future under fire this morning. The electric car maker Tesla recalling nearly 30,000 of its chargers because of a potential fire hazard. But Tesla CEO Elon Musk is taking issue with the government's terminology. He says they can drive the car safely. There's no problem and there's no need to bring the car in anywhere. Uh, the the, the over-the-air software update took place last month. But there's long been a lot of problems with Tesla. And I think that that points to perhaps how Twitter's going to be run. The cars have had, you know, a lot of questions about their reliabilities and their features. U.S. regulators posting that the electric car maker's rolling stop function in full self-driving mode may cause cars to run stop signs at up to 5.6 miles per hour. Musk operates very much in that Silicon Valley mode. So everything's, everything's uh, you know, a software platform. So he might roll out new software features with some bugs in it. Tesla is recalling almost half a million electric cars to address rear-view camera and trunk issues that increase the risk of crashing. The problem is that this isn't a change to the interface on Facebook. These are machines that can kill people, and and there have been all sorts of problems with Tesla cars not not opening in the event of accidents, real issues with the the autopilot system, just some really bizarre stuff. During the one-minute clip, the Tesla veers into the wrong lane of traffic. Oh, no. Look at that. And almost hits a delivery van. What is it doing? Musk also has a, a long history of, of dodgy business practices. Uh, he's, you know, very big on union busting. And particularly when it comes to Tesla, he has a very cosy relationship with the Chinese government. Um, it's w- where he manufactures his Teslas. And he's, you know, the, this guy who's bought Twitter um, saying that he's a, a free speech warrior and wants to, you know, deliver free speech back to the people. 
has worked with the Chinese government to censor criticism of his company in China. Mm. Okay, and so when it comes to Twitter then, should we expect the same sort of thing, this kind of cavalier attitude combined with the sense that he will work with anyone if it's in his business interests? I think what's really interesting is that he's really operating on the Silicon Valley idea that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And so he's sort of bulldozing through regulations that are already in place in, in places like Australia and Germany that, that are saying that these platforms are publishers and they have to effectively moderate. When he got rid of a lot of his staff, we're, we're already seeing moderation issues. A, a footballer in the UK was, was called uh, the N-word by someone. This was previously, you know, something that would be deleted and cracked down on pretty quickly. It was reported to Twitter and, and said that it was fine under their new moderation policies. So I, I think he's already running into a fair bit of trouble and there's this talk that, that they're trying to rehire some of the staff that they already fired. We'll be back after this. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The net effect will be over time that the verified users will pretty much always be at the top of of comments and search. You'll have to scroll far to see the unverified users, which will be the bots and, and trolls and whatnot. This is sort of analogous to Google search. Like, um, so, I mean, the joke is like, what's the best place to hide a dead body would be the second page of Google search results. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever goes there. Elle, we've been talking about this new era of Twitter under Elon Musk. And while we are essentially talking about posts on a social media site, we have seen instances, haven't we, where the information that is spread on the platform does have real-world effects. So what are the implications, the real-world implications, of the approach that Musk is touting? A lot of media and public-facing organisations have become really reliant on Twitter as a way to get messages out. So there are real questions about if verification for people who pay is going to be prioritised over organisations like this who use it for for public safety or or use it for getting important information out. Activists, you know, in places like, like Russia and Saudi Arabia who are getting information out that is censored by governments. Twitter is a public square and Musk is right about that. It has been used for a long time in this manner. You know, it really came to prominence in the Arab Spring when it was the only way for activists to, to be able to speak to each other and to also get their message out of what was happening in, in very authoritarian and, and repressive states. And, and it's certainly a real concern when people have become reliant on this way of getting information. Um, it, it may speak to some laziness on, on the part of the media, but this has just become an accepted way that, that people communicate about these things. I think that the real risk continues to be here that, that Musk has 
kind of made this purchase as a bit of a joke and and said these grand statements about what he wants to do, but but doesn't really seem to have thought about the consequences. And for people who have come to rely on this site for better and for worse, um, those consequences are very real. Right. And I suppose it is very early to try and gauge what kind of effect Elon Musk's new policies will have. But I think what we are starting to see is the way that Musk's personal politics are changing the conversation about Twitter. I mean, he is the first ever owner of a social media platform to endorse a a political party, isn't he? Our goal with Twitter is like, how do we get 80% of America? Maybe not like the sort of far left and the far right, but but, maybe we don't want them necessarily. But uh, how do we get 80% of the public to join a digital town square and voice their opinion and and exchange ideas and maybe once in a while change their minds? On the eve of the midterm elections in the United States, he tweeted uh, endorsing the Republican Party. On this election eve, Twitter owner Elon Musk seemed to contradict his own tweet from last April that Twitter should be politically neutral. Today, encouraging independent-minded voters to vote Republicans into Congress. He responded to Hillary Clinton's tweet about Paul Pelosi, the, the Speaker of the House's husband, being attacked by a man wielding a hammer in his own home uh, the other week. In a now-deleted tweet, Elon Musk wrote, there might be more than meets the eye to this story and attached a link to an unfounded conspiracy theory opinion piece from an outlet known to espouse such material. It seems that his idea of objective reality is very, very far from yours and mine. Musk, along with top executives, well, they're insisting that cuts will not prevent them from policing hate speech. But tech experts say they're already seeing some troubling signs and worry it could get worse. There's a real sense that that conspiracy accounts, very far right accounts that that do believe in absolute free speech of, you know, saying hate speech to to people online. Um, There's certainly evidence that that they're interested in returning to the platform. If I think a lot of people really are waiting to see about the reinstallation of of Donald Trump's account. First of all, if he'll come back. I mean, that that would sort of give a bit of a carte blanche, I think, to, to people to return. And for a lot of people who share his very conspiratorial worldview, in that event, um, I, I think that would be very interesting because there may be something of an exodus or, or, you know, we'd finally start to see what Musk's vision for the platform really looks like in practice. Mm. Okay, and as we start to consider how this might all play out for, for Elon Musk, one thing that we have already seen is, is regulators and, and governments reminding Musk that he doesn't actually, he doesn't write the laws around speech or, or defamation or privacy. That, that's what governments of various countries do. And we've seen other social media owners, people like Mark Zuckerberg, he's been hauled in front of, of Congress before. So, I mean, is Elon Musk now open to presumably that same level of, of scrutiny? And, and if he is, what do you think we're going to see if, if governments try to go after the world's richest man in this context? Again, because Musk has that real perspective that you've got to, um, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. He's been fairly cavalier, you know, he taunts lawmakers. He does think that this is all a bit of a joke, that he can get away with anything because he tends to get away with a lot of things. But it does feel like there's going to be a ceiling on this. You know, if you are taunting lawmakers or saying that that you're going to disregard, you know, the, the laws in, in places like Germany and Australia, which are known for having fairly strict regulations on these things, it's going to present problems because 
you know, moderation is really the the business that he's gotten himself into. And we're already seeing brands start to say, I I don't want to have my Adidas ad next to, you know, someone spewing hate-filled conspiracy theories. Um, So advertisers have already started to to say that they're not really happy about this. And a, a, a lot of big advertising firms have stepped back and are waiting to see, you know, what, what the platform looks like. In many regards, they might, <laughs> they might have more of an effect on Musk's thinking than, than governments. Right. And so, Elle, just finally, do we actually have a sense of what Elon Musk believes or thinks is needed to counter the threats of, of hate speech and misinformation? So he sees everything as an engineering problem that can be solved. You know, there's a tweet from 2018 where he said he wanted to start a site where all journalists would be given a truth ranking. And it's really this idea that that there is some objective truth. Um, he, He has a committee now that is going to rank publications and journalists on the truth of their articles. And then it's like, you know, in an Excel spreadsheet and you can just order it and, and that will solve the problem of truth, you know, a, a problem that, you know, philosophers have, have been thinking about for centuries that Elon can just come in and suddenly fix that. There's just an issue that coming from his perspective about what is truth, that there is some sort of objective truth. I think that's going to be the interesting and the, the troubling thing that he's looking at here. And what's going to be interesting is, is how much he continues to promote that because that's going to create a real problem for his business and both in terms of advertisers and governments looking at this and saying, you know, this, we don't want this happening to the public square. Mm. Elle, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... Elon Musk sold $3.95 billion worth of his stock in Tesla yesterday. The sale comes as Musk admitted that he was, quote, obviously overpaying for Twitter right now. It's believed he must pay $1 billion a year just to service the loans that funded the purchase. And the United States has elected the first member of Congress who's from Gen Z during the midterm elections. Maxwell Frost ran on an agenda of gun control, healthcare for all and climate action in the state of Florida. Frost rose to prominence as a gun control campaigner in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook school shooting in 2012. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.